Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio on a very chilly Tuesday morning. (laughs) You know, I'll tell you right now, the uh, taste of Sunday's loss is slowly but surely leaving my mouth. Um, And, you know, just to hear some of the players and coaches and what they've had to say, Coach Reed on Monday, I thought, had a really cool thing to say in his press conference where he's talking about, you know, usually after a game you get on the plane and guys are messing around their iPads or listening to music, it's real loud, and, you know, blah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, none of that. Every single guy on that plane was watching the game, trying to learn from the mistakes. They were all focused as soon as they got on that plane. So you say that and you hope that that's going to fix some things, but, man, they've got some work to do. Mike, and, and that's all coach speak. Of course, he's not going to say anything else. He's really missing the real reason why this happened. And you, you're cognizant of it. It just hasn't impacted you. The fact that Ned Talk didn't get on the air. So well, that's... <laughs> oh, my God. Probably. But, I, you know, I did, did everything I could to make sure it was happening. But, yeah, I just... <laughs> I'm just being facetious. I just... You're, you're, now you're really, now you're really making, some, making some sense, though. That's probably what happened, Ned. <laughs> Damn it. We didn't get on our show Sunday because it was an electrical foul up. Here, yeah, yeah, we had some electrical issues uh, building wide. But yeah, it. Um, I did hear Reed say, though, about coming together. And yeah, that's fine. That's, the coach is going to say that. The team has to rally and support themselves and pick up after somebody has made a mistake and so forth and so on. I'll tell you one of the real reasons, in all honesty, why the defense, there's several of them. But number one, Anthony Hitchens, who calls the defensive signals, isn't in there, and he may not be for quite a while. This is a nerve injury in his elbow. I haven't talked a whole lot about it, but this could keep him out. Nick Bolton came in, and he played well. But is he the one calling the defensive signals? And you do have to have that. There's a lack of lack of cohesion and a, a misunderstanding of what's going on, and all that enters into... It really enters into a disunity on the team, not not intentionally so, of course, but when you don't have somebody out there guiding you on the field. And the other reason that, and I'm being serious here, that hasn't been addressed, and it's one that I've talked a little bit about on this show, is that we are now into the era of Patrick Mahomes by about five years now. And it has been, this is pro football. These guys are not dumb. Is it possible, and I'm beginning to think that it is now, team to figure out how to defend this team, how to stop them, and it's up to the Chiefs now to make the adjustments and come up with a formula for beating the defensive schemes that these other teams are putting on. I think that may have happened because some of these teams that the Chiefs are losing to, they shouldn't be. And back in the old days, they wouldn't be. They'll make the adjustment. It's coming, I'm telling you. Well, we still, we got halfway, we're halfway point of the season. You got to win out, and uh, hopefully they can make the adjustment. If not, things are going to get uh, blown up in the offseason. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Uh, speaking of which, um, got uh, Seahawks Saints last night, Monday Night Football. Very close game, kind of a boring game, actually. It really wasn't very exciting at all, and much of that is because it rained practically the entire game. And even though it's on artificial turf and all that, it gets slippery, and the ball is tough to handle. And New Orleans comes away with a late field goal and comes away with a 13 to 10 win. But you know, this is Seattle is not very good. Seattle was a five point dog in this game at home, and they beat the spread, but they didn't win the game. And winning the game is the most important mm-hmm. thing. So New Orleans does come away with a win. So now we have off until football on Thursday night, and the Chiefs are off until next Monday, Monday night. night.
You get a late night Monday, so do I. Um, speaking of late nights, the NHL hockey season is a very long one, so don't get too excited <laughs> because it eventually is going to end. But the St. Louis Blues have yet to lose a game. They are 5-0 and to start the season, three of those wins on the road, and then two of them, the two home ones, are against the same team, the Los Angeles Kings, who everybody thought would be pretty good. Five straight wins, 5-0 and on the season, but you are absolutely 100% correct. It's the start of the season. It's how you're ending the season, yeah. which for the Blues won't be until early April. Yeah. April, like next year. That's how long this, this season goes. It's a marathon season. Long way to go, but it's a pretty good start. That's the thing about hockey that always blows my mind, because when in football, someone goes down with an injury, they're like, well, that's it. Season's over. <laughs> in hockey, they're like, well, we'll see you in four months. <laughs> so the time has finally come. Seems... You know, it's funny because when we started talking about the season earlier this year, it was finally back to normal, you know, um, not a short season, not a half season. But at the time when the playoffs started, I remember going, God, it feels like we just started this thing. The playoff run seemed like it took a little bit longer to me. It's, it's, it seems that way, but it's only because of the calendar. Yeah. World Series has ended in November before. This is not the first time. It shouldn't be, but that's the way things are with the expanded playoffs and so forth. But uh, it'll end in November this year. But no, it's happened before. It just seems that You way. know what I mean, though? It kind of seems like it just went it like almost its own season. But uh, besides that, it kicks off tonight. And if you're a baseball fan, I know you're going to be watching. First pitch happens when? 7-0-9. <laughs> it's stupid baseball. <laughs> That's how they They throw it. darts at a clock, don't they? Almost looks that way, doesn't it? <laughs> in the 7 o'clock range, whatever, whatever hits. That's what you're throwing it. First game, of course, is at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Houston gets the home field home field advantage if it does exist. Goes to the team with the better record, and the Houston Astros have the better record as opposed to the Atlanta Braves. 7:09 tonight, Minute Maid Park. The Braves starter is a former Astro, 37-year-old Charlie Morton, who's really kind of changed his career. He's developed into a really good pitcher. Not that he wasn't already, but he's changed very much like Adam Wainwright. Uh, changed his style a, bit, a little bit. Uh, Morton 14 and six this year, and really a mainstay for the Atlanta Braves. And he is being opposed by a 27-year-old left-hander with whom very few are familiar. His name is Framber Valdez. He's from the Dominican Republic. He's had a good year. He's 11 and six this year for Houston, but in the stretch in the playoffs. He has pitched very well. So Dusty Baker is going to go with a lefty against the Atlanta Braves, and we'll see what happens. First two games in Houston, the middle three, which will be Saturday, uh, let's see, be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in uh, in Atlanta, and then back to close it up next week, if necessary, back in Houston again. Man, it's going to be interesting. Will be. No. It's, it's going to be a good series. Yeah, you're going to get get a lot of late nights this week, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'll bring in more coffee for you tomorrow. Um, so you're right on the money. I think everyone kind of knew you were right on the money when we called uh, who the new manager for the St. Louis Cardinals is going to be. They finally made that official yesterday morning. Your thoughts? Well, he is very young. Marmol is a very young individual. He's only 35 years old. He is the youngest manager in major leagues. And when the season opens, and we hope it does, on April the 1st of 2022, he will be the youngest manager in the big leagues at 35. Oliver Marmol, he is not a well-known individual in baseball circles. He has been the bench coach for Mike Schilt. Bench coach in Major League Baseball is the associate manager, the assistant manager. Bill Verdon here in town was a bench coach for many years 
after his managing days had concluded. And it's a very important factor. That's what he was for Mike Schilt. Marmol did not play Major League Baseball. He did play in the Cardinals system in single A. Did not ever play down here in Springfield, nor did he ever coach down here in Springfield. But <laughs> he was asked the question, hey, when did you realize when your career was over in 2010? Why did you give it up? He said, well, I was batting a buck 90, and that wasn't going to get it. It's <laughs> a great answer. Well, adding 190 doesn't usually catch anybody's uh, eye. Well, that's when he applied for coaching because he thought he would be a pretty good coach. He's a College of Charleston product. that played college baseball. And his coaching has taken him from the single-A level. He never coached uh, or managed here in Springfield. But in single-A level and the lower level, the rookie league, Johnson City in Tennessee, he was there. And then Schilt brought him right up to the big leagues. He's a guy who has a very good baseball acumen. I watched his interview yesterday. He conducts himself very well. So we'll see. Uh, the reactions have been generally good for him. Should It could be a pretty good choice. We'll yeah, hopefully happens. it is. You know, baseball is becoming younger every day. Interestingly <laughs> enough, he's younger than some of the players on the Cardinals. He's younger than I am. <laughs> and he's managing the St. Louis Cardinals. You want to talk about feeling old, man. I'm like, oh, God. What have I been doing with my life? I'm still an intern. Jeez. I, I was asked the other day uh, who the youngest manager ever in Major League Baseball history was. And it's a guy named Roger Peckinpah back in 2014, uh, 1914 with the New York Yankees. He was asked to manage the Yankees toward the end of the season when they fired their manager. And he did. He had maybe a month, month and a half as manager. He goes down as the youngest. They replaced him during the winter with an older guy. Then the next one. How old was he? 23. <sighs> Can you imagine 23 managing the how Yankees? About, how about this one, though? In 1942. 24-year-old Lou Boudreau took over the Cleveland Indians as their manager and managed them right through 1950 as a player manager. Lou Boudreau is in the Hall of Fame. And it was great. Managed the Cleveland Indians as a player manager and a kid to the World Championship in 1948. This guy had it all going for him. He was he was really the very first of the successful young managers in Boudreaux is in the Hall of Fame. Played for the old Kansas City A's back in the 50s. A lifetime appointment is what that sounds oh, gosh, like. Yes. Man, God. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? Like I said, early 20s, I didn't even know where my face was. Um, so, last but not least, uh, the rankings have come out for college football. And asked after the loss on Saturday, the Bears did kind of... No, it really didn't change position. Really? They're, they're 17th in the country. That's not a precipitous fall at all. And what I really found interesting, the NCAA puts out these rankings. NCAA has an individual who's dedicated to following just the FCS or 1AA. And this fella came out with his first preseason, or not, I'm sorry, not preseason, but the first early playoff formula. And the Bears are in it. He had them picked to be in the playoffs. Now, there's still a month to go before this selection, and a lot can happen. But this very first ever playoff formula at the Bears playing the University of Incarnate Word. Very few people are familiar with them. They're in San Antonio, Texas. And their recent addition to 1AA, they're pretty good. Pretty good football team. And according to this formula, the Bears would play them up here in the first round. Wow. That is as of now. Things can change and probably will. So, but let's say that that's the way it goes. Um, will this be the first playoff game in Springfield and how long? 
Since 1989. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine Ask that? me how old I was in 89. <laughs> Man, okay. Well, hopefully that, that guy uh, has a little bit of fortune telling in his blood, and that's the way it goes down. But you're right. There's a month left, and the Missouri State Bears have a hell of a schedule. Left. I'll throw you in a real quick piece of trivia, too. Bears played consecutive playoff games, 1989 and 1990. Played Maine in 1989, beat them. And then in 1990, played Idaho here in town and lost in a shootout, 42 to 35. Who was on that Idaho coaching staff at that time? Their offensive coordinator, Bobby. Wow, man. <laughs> Ka is a wheel, Ned. Ka is a wheel. You have a wonderful day, and I'll see you tomorrow, man.